Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Picardian. Jared Brandon, as Jared Brandon, is out. He's, he's not feeling well. He's got a pox upon his chest. guy, sad boy. Um, and he was actually going to join us in the studio. I'm really bummed about that. Uh, but in his stead, the trusty Ampmeister Rob Chase... Yes. Hello. Is joining us again. Chiffy. All the people that have been asking for you. I'm here. I'm still alive. He's still alive. I told I told him. We we try to explain. And yeah. most importantly, we've got a fantastic guest tonight. And guess who are you? Uh, I would be Adam Grimm, owner of Satellite Amplifiers. Satellite Amplifiers. Oh, those pretty lovely things that uh, you've been seeing on Instagram and everywhere else on YouTube and everything. And uh, hopefully, if you're lucky, you got to hear one. Maybe if you're even luckier, you got to play one. Maybe you have one. Mm-hmm. Goody for you tonight. So we're going to talk to Adam about his awesome amplifiers and find out backstory, find out where what what's so cool about them and, uh, you know, all the good stuff. So, uh, Woo-hoo. yes. And Tony, for those... If anybody, we get a lot of new listeners. A I know. lot of new listeners. Millions. Millions of new listeners every day. And <laughs> w- what can people expect on this show? Well, you know, we're just a bunch of guys talking about gear. Well, you know, we like to talk about boutique gear. Even more specifically, we like to talk to the builders of this boutique gear. And that's things like amps and pedals and accessories and guitars and all the good stuff and we like to get the story behind the story occasionally we'll do a 101 where we learn something very important about a very specific thing correct amundo those were jared's favorites yes indeed so um following suit we got a we got a great amp builder and we've got a great fantastic amp repair fella right here uh, with rob tony no, not Tony. Tony breaks amps. Uh, <laughs> you fix his amps. Oh, yeah, I right. know to tap the tubes yeah. with chopsticks. That's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> um, I put my hand in the back and feel around and see if anything's Make loose sure while I'm it's yeah, on. That's, that's right. a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Best idea ever. Yeah, with a wrench. Um, so anyways, uh, hope you're enjoying our show tonight. We're going we're gonna to have a great time. So let's. Uh, we got a couple of announcements real quick. quick. Um, first, I want to say a big shout out to... Well, nobody could even understand what that is, Tony. Is <laughs> that like them you, passing you by in a car? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Neil Camino. <laughs> Thanks to Road Mics uh, for supplying our awesome gear. And a big shout out to Nick down there in Australia. Is other Nick still there? No, it's just Nick. Just Nick this it's just time. Just Nick. It's Nick. Nick. Nick is there. And uh, Nick and I have been chatting a bit on the on the internets, and it's great talking to him. So, hello, Nick. Hope you're doing well. And, um, Go get yourself some road gear, everybody, if, uh, if you need stuff for miking and whatnot. And a little Vegemite. Yes. Um, actually, I, I don't like the Vegemite, but I do like the um, Marmite. Marmite. Oh, my God. Both of those are just... I love Marmite. I, I mean, Vegemite and Marmite, it's the same thing. It's just one's from the UK and one's from Australia, essentially, right? It's like eating a yeast it's so infection. so good. No, oh. I don't know what that's like. Adam, uh, do you like uh, Vegemite or Marmite? Knows. Uh, I don't go out of my way for it, but if it's put in front of me, I will eat it. On buttered toast? Come on. It's so good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, so they're going to talk about that or shrimp, I suppose, because that's where all we got. Mm. So I also <laughs> wanted to do, a, you know, as always, we get great feedback from our listeners. And we recently gave away two Vaderin pedals. Ah. And, uh, and I got a note from Stephen Lamb, one of our great supporters. Oh, yeah. And he said... Uh, Was he a winner? Yes. Oh, I We didn't announced know that. that. We did? Yes. When? <laughs> it's, it's on the things, on the Instagrams. Was I passed out or something? No, you just don't know how to use yeah, your phone. Yeah, you don't, you don't have Instagram. Don't so anyways, oh, Instagram. It doesn't come on on one of your old, old people big number phones. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> What's uh, that shit? So this is from Stephen Lamb. He said, uh, Todd, thanks for this, the Vader and Pedal. You nice. got the cherry fuzz. Uh, I said, uh, true story. I was listening to the Vaderin episode in the car, stuck in traffic, and couldn't wait to get home and check out his pedals. When the pedal designs came up, my wife uh, looked him up and said, you should get one. Keep that girl. Wow. Um, anyways, thanks again. I'm happy to be able to support the guitar knobs. You guys get me through tough works, work days and introduce me to so many cool builders. Happy days to you. Uh, and the boys. Cheers. Nice. Yeah, that is great. I love hearing that stuff. Where can I find that uh, the list of the winners? On the thing. On the on, on the, the Instagram on thing. On the Instagram yeah. thing. Yeah. Jeez. Tim Nowak won the other one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Bardic Devices. Wow. Anyhow, so that was just a couple of quick announcements. We're going to check in with all of us right now and just spend a few minutes talking about what happened in our music world this week. Tony Baloney is going to kick us off, and then we're going to check in with our friend Adam Grimm of Satellite Amps and find out what he's been doing in his music world besides building amps. Maybe if there's anything, we can talk about that. Um, Tony, <laughs> go ahead. Well, you know, Todd, this is our first show of 2022, mm -hmm. which, by the way, happens to be the movie, the year of the that the movie Soylent Green is supposed to be set in. Oh my! So happy 2022, everybody! Yes, go out to eat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> try the crackers; they're yeah. delicious. Okay. Um, so I every year I you know one of my uh, New Year's resolutions is to try to you know pick up a different instrument that I'm not as familiar with as guitar mm -hmm. and um, and and learn to play it. And in fairness, that's a guitar. Well, it is a guitar. <laughs> But, you know, like last year, I said, okay, I'm going to learn. You're, you're really learn aiming to, high. I'm, <laughs> let me tell you. you got to start somewhere, Todd. Come let, on. let me tell you. So, tell them what's in front of us, and then tell us about all, all the right. other So I decided this year I am going to try to learn to play lap steel. Uh-huh. Um, and this is, you know, the lap steel is a six-string guitar, but you use a slide instead of your fingers on the uh, on your left hand. Mm hmm and you have to pick a little bit with your right hand. Mm -hmm. So it's it is kind of the the left hand thing is throwing me a little bit although I'm getting used to it, but it's it's foreign to me. Mm -hmm. So I in 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 you know one of the things that I like to do is if I'm going to take on a new you know, endeavor like this, I mm -hmm. like to have a proper instrument. So what I was able to find bought on December 31st Oh my! Twenty twenty one, that got here quick. No, I, it was up in Delaware. Oh, <laughs> so it was easy. Oh nice. wait, that's Chase's. Yeah. Ah, 
I knew I recognized that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So anyhow, this is a ninth. Well, if you, if you look at the the date code that's stamped into the back of the neck, it's a 1938 Recording King lap steel. Wow. Adam, have you ever played lap steel? I have. Ah. Are you? Do you? Are Are you really good at it? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's let's jam. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, it's it's a cool piece. Um, just a brief history of these. They would, would have called this a, an electric Hawaiian guitar at the time mm-hmm. in 1938. Um, Gibson made this recording king for Montgomery Ward catalog. And you can tell by the serial number. There's a DWE in the serial or FON number. And the D stands for 1938. The W is for Montgomery Ward. And the E is for electric. Um, so it's a very cool instrument. It's an unusual shape. It's like pear-shaped, uh, you, most people would call that. And um, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, at some point someone had replaced the original pickup and, um, and knob assembly with... Something from uh, also Gibson An AMG. Yeah, AMG. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be great. Uh, but it is a an assembly, I believe, from either. Uh, well, they used them on some Gibson models and also on some Kalamazoo's. And it is a metal plate that has uh, a P13 or a speed bump pickup. People kind of recognize it as that. Mm-hmm. And those are cool looking two pickups. Knobs. And yeah, it's um, it's kind of the one of the predecessors of the P90 pickup. Um, interesting little fact: this uh, uses uh, one Elnico magnet standing up and down as kind of the uh, instead of pull pieces. Mm. And so it was cheaper to make than the other ones they were looking at. And at the time, Elnico magnets were just outrageously expensive. This particular setup doesn't really show up until like the early 1940s, so 1941, 42, which is also... So it's futuristic getting, instrument. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's getting into a time where, you know, America was at war. Mm. So they needed a cheaper way uh, to, uh, to build pickups at the time. Yeah. So I'm not sure when this was installed on this particular <clears throat> instrument, but it is very old. It's got a big old capacitor in it, very old pots. I would say this assembly is probably from the 40s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if somebody put it in in the 1940s or later, but it's, you know, I, I'm cool with it either way. I yeah, that's great. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's my, well, I, my I remember when Chase, so we're talking about Chase Gullet, Gullet Guitar Co. Um, I, I'm down there all the time, and uh, he, he uh, I remember when he had that in, and I was like, wow, this is, looks amazing. And he was really struggling with, like, you know, what's the right thing to do with that pickup? So glad you got that. Yeah, it turns out um, he did have to send it over to Zach at Brandon Wound. Yeah. And it was uh, just a cold solder joint on the um, on on one of the leads. Yeah. So That's cool. So there's really not much else. I mean, it's a little noisy, for, but that's just the nature of the beast of the time. Yeah. And it's a single-coil pickup. So it's Well, I look forward to hearing some awesome slide guitar from you. Well, you will. I've got, a, I've got an extra strap if you need it. No. Uh, Adam Grimm, what's going on, buddy? What have you been up to in your music world this week? Well, I, I spend six days of the week in my shop doing musical stuff, so there's always stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, the, the latest things are, you know, we have a new amp in the works. Uh, there's a guitar uh, that is, we got three prototypes of those that I've been playing with. Ooh, I'm excited about that one. Uh, yeah, me too. It'll be, it's, it's very exciting. It's been in, in the planning stages for, I don't know, probably about three years now, but we finally, I made a prototype of it about a year and a half ago. And then finally I'm getting off my butt and getting around to getting them uh, together to, to, basically the three prototypes have different pickups neck options trying to figure out how I want to do this and, and what the next steps are going to be. Gotcha. gotcha. But everything every day is, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've got about a hundred guitars and about 85 vintage amplifiers all surrounding me right now. And only two so fingers. There's always something and it's, you know, last week it was, I was playing my kids hello kitty squire strat because i forgot how great it was that was the, that was the, the musical thing of, of the week of the day but it's it changes all the time what about this what's the last uh, vintage amp you bought i'm sorry what was that what's the last vintage amp you bought oh the last vintage amp I, i'm gonna change that to what's the last good vintage amp i bought and that is a 1961 uh fender twin that's sitting right behind me Ooh. Very cool. Nice. It, it is absolutely. Uh, I, I don't like twin reverbs very much, especially the silver face, the the really brutally clean ones. Yeah. Uh, the 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 sixty one is a is a extension of the tweed circuit, and it's just about the best thing Fender ever made. Nice. So is, is it tweed or is it brown? It's blonde. Oh, okay. It's none of the above. Excellent. Nice, nice. with oxblood grill cloth. Ooh. No, no, <laughs> it, no! It, it is a blonde with a wheat grill wheat. cloth, brown oh. front, white knobs. Nice, Ooh. and it's it's sitting in between a pair a, a sixty two and a sixty three basement setup. So I've got all three of them running together, uh, and it's just about godlike. Now, <laughs> now that older vintage twin was that a sixty watt then? It is four six L sixes. It is okay. Yes, wow, it is. and running into a pair of P twelve Qs. Which are borderline about to explode. right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't turn it up too loud. <laughs> I know exactly what you guys are talking about. I do. Um, <laughs> a P12Q is a Alnico speaker made by Jensen, and a P12Q is approximately uh, supposed to take about eighteen watts, maybe twenty watts tops. Oh, and we're and a twin puts out eighty watts clean. Yeah. So amps back in the day were properly rated the same way that uh, comparatively so they all had a baseline to go against they, uh, wow. this, is, this is a whole big aside but i'm going to go real quick sure wattage is not volume wattage is heat but we use wattage as, as an idea to compare each things to try and give us an idea of how loud something is i literally just had this conversation with a guy at my work today okay good um, then you're on he, board yeah he so, was trying to figure out choose between a 25 watt amp or a 15 watt amp the 15 watt uh, vox ac 15 mm-hmm. and this and the supra 25 yeah. and i said that 15 is going to be loud man you don't it, it it's they're they're pretty comparable like i've had both of them and don't think that you have to jump into the 30 because the 30 is going to blow your ears off yep if you measure both of those properly, a 15-watt and a 25-watt amplifier, you will not be able to tell the vo- overall volume difference between the two of them. 
it's I not feel really smart difference. right now. I'm just, I'm not lying. But if you really put smart. a, <laughs> but if you put a thermometer on it, uh, yeah. yeah, a thermometer, <laughs> a will thermometer. Yes, yeah, so it, it will. What, the the 25 watt will heat up your Easy Bake oven faster. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, that's cool. We all learned as well. Hopefully some people learned some things out there. I, you know, I got some things that I believed to be true, confirmed, which I do like. Um, Did I interrupt any of that story or was that, was that uh, the general? Oh, I can ramble on about, for hours about any of this stuff. I didn't really, nothing was left out that that I felt needed to be in. We got a whole show for you to be able to do that. Um, Let's uh, round this out uh, by, uh, so for me this week. Uh, How about Rob? I don't care about Rob. That <laughs> <laughs> was out loud. Holy crap. Welcome ahead, back, Rob. Rob. Go ahead, Rob. Um, music week. Um, all right. Well, this is kind of a depressing one. And uh, I'm sure, Adam, you've, you've heard about Pat and Mercury Patrick. Magnetics. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, and it, uh, you probably met him, right, Adam? Like doing oh, trade I, shows I, before? I know Patrick very well. We used to text all the time. And, and I... I uh, I knew when he got sick uh, that something was going on, but I never really found out what happened until he passed away. Want yeah. to say his full name, Rob? Yeah, Patrick Selfridge. Yeah. Um, pa- Patrick Selfridge was was an industry guy for a long time. He used to work for Groove Tubes, and then he was the main sales rep for Mercury Magnetics for uh, fifteen years almost. Yeah, fifteen yeah, some years. Yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, he passed on. Was it the thirtieth, Adam? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and unlike Adam, I actually was never, I never met him in person. I've dealt with him at Groove Tubes over the years. And then when he went over to Mercury and uh, just a wonderful guy. I mean, just mm. and anybody you talk to about it said, yeah, he treats everybody like they're his best friend. And that's just who he was. And really nice ab- guy. Ab- ab- absolutely. Patrick was one of those guys that supported uh, the boutique business the industry mm-hmm. tremendously. You know, for from and, and part of why I use their transformers exclusively is because of, because of him Patrick. and also Sergio and, and a couple other people that are up there. Yeah. Sergio is the guy that owns Mercury Magnetics. Uh, they've always treated me like an absolute professional, even when I had no idea what I was talking yep. about. Yep. Yeah. From the first time you call. Yeah. Yes. And they had a way of transforming a you know non electrical engineer's desires of what I wanted out of a transformer into a magical device to put inside of a box. Yeah, That's and, awesome. and when I would call Patrick if I was ordering one transformer, he was always delightful. Yeah, he was always glad to have the business. You know, ask about the family. You know, every chance at any trade show, we always saw each other. Uh, he will be greatly missed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, it's a downer note, but that's the big thing in my music world today. Was when I saw that, saw that post, and immediately saw lots of people. Lot. Jumping in on him, just, yeah, just like Adam said, it was just there's people all around yeah. the world that were <clears throat> devastated by that one. So, hmm. well, how about you, Todd? In uh, I had a really nice surprise uh, this week, and this is I'm not going to give the whole thing away because this is going to unravel. Give it all away um, for a little while, but my grandmother, who I lost this this year. Um, she, well, actually 2021, technically, if we want to be stupid about this, but, um, I remember when my grandpa passed away, he was, he was a Navy guy. They had this big chest of, of stuff 
nobody had opened this chest for a long time and we're like, oh, what was in there? And all those old Navy blues were in there. And oh, wow. All kinds of really cool stuff. And this was years and years, this several years ago, like maybe 15, 15 years ago. And I remember seeing a flash of a couple of things in there. I didn't really think of it at the time because I didn't need to. It wasn't really relevant to me. After her passing, I decided, and and also after hanging out with Chase for a long time, I said, uh, I need to find this stuff. And what it is, is World War II vintage uh, Japanese brocade. Mm. Uh, What's that? Japanese brocade is basically like this silk fabric like oh. that is got the uh, uh, all the embroidery all over it you know the, the so like turquoise with like golden gardens and people walking and gotcha. dragons and all kinds of whatever and there's two different kinds that I got where it was tracking them down through the family like who ended up getting it and I begged and pleaded and so they're sending that out to me ah what are you gonna do with it I'm very excited are we talking about putting it on a guitar uh, I, I was gonna say it's, it's, it, it's gonna end up being music related here and it's gonna unravel over the it's coming unravel. weeks or are you going to start and become a geisha yes I'm <laughs> yes I could see that too yeah uh, but I'm only gonna sing Sammy Davis songs ah yeah, I so. like that <laughs> I don't know why that was <laughs> Got a <laughs> cigarette in one <laughs> hand and a martini in the other. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I, I, that was nice. that was kind of cool because the thing is, it's just been folded up. Yeah. For the longest time, for you know, since uh, what fifty one, fifty two, when they got back, and it's never seen the light of day. It's literally just been in this chest forever. Wow. So now I get to let their sort of legacy. Oh, that's you know, going to be really cool. Be something really cool. So I'll make a couple of things, maybe. Mm. We'll see what happens. Anyway, mm. so that's uh, what's going on in this music world this week. Tony? Yes, Tony. What is the shortest way to connect two pedals? Um, I think you would use, like, uh, you would hook one end into your telephone and then the other end into a modem. No. And then bring it back around through and use a I thought you were going to go XLR with a crankshaft and a sprocket, but uh, whatever, that's fine. So the quickest way to hook up two pedals... Two pedals. Two pedals. Two, two pedals. guitar pedals is you by using tour gear designs patch cables. But what if you have more than two ki- pedals? They've got one for they've got they've got sizes for all kinds of pedal configurations and your entire board. Do they have a W shaped cable? They don't have a W, but you can make it yourself. Okay. Yeah, just bend it. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, super. These are flat, like ribbon style cables. Yes. With the uh, the the actual jack is the diameter of a jack. So yeah. you don't have a big, giant pancake that's banging no. into the other no. cables and everything. It's fantastic. You know how I know? Because you have some. I have a bunch of them, and I use them on my pedal boards. Yep. And they're, they're, they're real space savers. I mean, I honestly believe on a typical pedal board, you could probably sneak an extra two, three, maybe even four extra pedals on just yeah. by using these cables. I, I, I would agree with that. If you go to tourgeardesigns.com, and enter the guitar knobs uh, in the discount code. You're going to save one 10%. Word. All one word. The guitar knobs. You're going to save 10% on your entire order. And this is a Canadian company. So the, in addition to being very polite, yes. they actually <laughs> ship things very quickly. Yeah. I ordered one on, mine on a Wednesday. They showed up on a Saturday. So thank you, Tour Gear Designs, for supporting our show and for sponsoring the Four on the Floor. Let me have a little bit of this. What? 
two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, Adam Grimm, Satellite oh, Amps. Give us your four on the floor. This took me a little while. I had to think about this uh, because I know that there was a I can't use my own pedals. And I also purposely tried to exclude my friend's pedals Ooh. because I know a lot of makers that make a lot of great stuff. Yeah. And I went over and I've got a lot of pedals uh, and I'm going to slightly, I think, cheat on one of them. That's like making your brother your best man. It's the same thing. Yeah, I don't have a brother. (laughs) See, I was thinking that'd be okay because, I mean. Well, I know because then you don't offend any of your friends. Well, well, no, but like he shouldn't be penalized because he knows people, you know? Oh, no, I know. Or I guess it wouldn't be him being penalized. That's never been a thing. That's being penalized. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. Anyways, Okay, Adam, go for it. Okay. So my first one is technically not a pedal, but it's an effect. So I don't know if that's okay or not, but I I don't really care. I'm putting it it. in anyways. Uh, It's the clamped echo let. It is, uh, it's a tape echo made by Klempt. It's one of the greatest things I've ever played through in my entire life. Is that it is a bunch like- of tubes. It's a tape echo. It's a delay. It's a reverb. It's got a massive preamp. It's just, if I had to pick one effect out of everything, that would be it. So is that like a, a head or a rack mount unit or something? Or? Uh, it's a standalone unit. It's, it's about the size of a lunchbox. Oh, I thought he was going to say like about the size of a washing machine <laughs> with everything in there. Well, so uh, I don't know how much you, anybody has seen Klempt or Dynacord stuff. It's the same company. They were a German company. Okay. They would do things where they would make giant wooden boxes and put multiples in them with heads that you know would end up being like four feet long. These just mon- monstrous pieces that make no sense at all. And then you Ooh, see these pictures and they're being fun. used in an orchestra. You're like, oh, okay. It kind of makes sense. I just so there are some one. giant ones out there. Oh, they're beautiful. The Echolette. Echolette, yeah. Clint. Wow. You know what it actually looks like? It looks kind of like um, first time I went to um, Carter Vintage and we, we were in back and I just lost all my marbles when I saw the oh. the Selmer oh, yes. satellite. It was, no, it's not the satellite. What is it? Selmer? The one that's it's all golden crocodile. Th- I can't remember the name of the. It was a Selmer, yes. Yeah. Um, Selmer had a, so Selmer had a period where all their amps were that gold crocs. Yeah. Zodiac, maybe? Zodiac, yeah. that's it. Oh, golly, that just captured my imagination like nothing I'd seen. This, although is not covered in golden crocodile, um, is uh, it has some of the same fixings on it. Uh, so Same knobs. Yeah, I love it. That's uh, really Selmer's cool. Selmer's a whole other side. I, I love Selmer amps. I think they're one of the greatest things anybody ever made out of England. Man. They're, they're really – okay, so people listening, if you are not familiar with Selmer amps, go check that out to, so you can get familiar. Um, and There's a might, band called The Beatles you might have heard of. Yeah. Uh, they played them in the very early days. Ah. The I didn't know Beatles that. The Beatles sound is all Selmers. No kidding. Animals, House of the Rising Sun, who hasn't heard that? Yeah. All, that's, that's all Zodiacs. Well, back to the Echolette, which is a – just a beautiful gold box of old awesomeness. I can see why you love this. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. It's it has a little bit of that you know single coil pickup noisiness that that some of that you were talking about earlier. But it's just there's nothing else as good as that for what everything it does. It, you know what else it kind of looks like? It kind of looks like if someone with just a hell of a lot of panache made a mm-hmm. made a World War II field radio. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's all, everything inside of it is all, those are all like Telefunken top of the line diamond bottom tubes, which are, you know, every audiophile wants them inside, what's inside there. The transformers are all phenomenal. Every piece, everything is meticulous inside of it. 
Wow. What do these typically run? Do you happen to know? Uh, usually between about, uh, I think on the low end, about six or $700. On the high end, twelve to 1500 That's less in than there. I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's one of those things that there's not that many of them, but there's also not that many people that know about them. Oh. Well, the price just went up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I have, I currently have three of them and I've had probably three others. Uh, so, I mean, they do pop up and you do see that once you start, once you start looking for them, you see them a lot more often. Sure. Now, do you, did you get into the, uh, the Ecolette, um, uh, amplifiers? I have one of those too. Yes. Ah, oh, you lucky guy. I have the, I basically have what, what they, they're, it's their, it's the, like the ec40 it's it's basically an ac30 in a in a tiny little metal box like that it's wow. a single channel uh and it is delightful wow i'm looking at one called the mustang 100 and it is quite Good. beautiful quite lovely it's black and gold i love that so that's my that's like my color thing man um well, that's really cool. I love that we found like a new thing. That's really yeah, neat. Yeah, that's that's the first time. A ever. whole bunch of new things. Boy, I can get. We're gonna get lost in this. Sorry, we're taking so much time on this Klimt Avcolette. You guys have to go check these out if you're not familiar. Get familiar, um, and we'll collectively buy as many of of these as possible before this comes out. <laughs> uh, all right, what's next? Uh, pedal number two is probably going to have to be uh, my BFD tremolo pedal. So BFD was made by a company called Vintage Technology. Uh, probably, I think they were mid '90s, uh, and the BFD I'm assuming is is probably brown face deluxe or something of that. Mm. Uh, it's just one of the greatest tremolo pedals I've ever had or used. Uh, it uses a really obscure 15 volt battery that is now out of production, so it's a little bit annoying. Oh. Uh, there's ways around that, mm. but it was just one of these pedals. Uh, that when it came out, not a lot of people knew about it, but now they're extremely hard to find because the people that have them will not give them up. Uh, and it is the closest I've found in a pedal form to an amplifier's tremolo. Okay. I like that you brought that up. And here's a, here's a lightning question for you. Uh, of the amps that you are familiar with, have, have played whatever, what amp do you think has... What what amp has your favorite tremolo? The Selmer TV twelve T. More specific, <laughs> <laughs> the nineteen sixty two Selmer TV twelve T that is sitting approximately fifteen feet away from me, and I will not sell for any amount of money you offer me. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, what do you love about that? It's lush. It's rich. It's delightful. It's choppy. It's angry. It's smooth. It's just got everything you want that doesn't overly detract from what you're doing. Yeah, that sounds like me. Um, My second favorite <laughs> uh, is a 1955 Silvertone. Uh, the 50-watt uh, combo with tremolo is also very hard to beat, and it is Bo Diddley in a box. Number three. Number three is probably has to be my Ibanez FL301 Flanger. It is a bright yellow box, uh, same as the same time frame as the TS-808 Tube Screamer. Uh, it is their flanger, and it is uh, brutal in a flanger. Uh, it, it goes into such extreme regeneration. It goes all over the place. It's great to annoy the neighbors, but it also has enough <laughs> subtlety where you can just roll it back 
and it's just smooth and you barely even notice that it's there. And, and this is, you said this, this is the FLO one? It's, it's the FL301. Oh, 301. From Ibanez. Okay. Um, let's see. All the Ibanez stuff at the time was, the, you know, TS's tube streamer. You yeah. know, the phaser is the PH201, 201, I think. Yeah. All, all yeah. of them have, like, you know, the, a really dumb numbering system. To yeah, so that's the one with the little square button, the little square button. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I just recently purchased the FL9 from, I uh, got one from the, uh, Japanese one from the 80s. Great pedal. Oh, and I, I, the first time I heard that, I said, well, I don't, I, now I have to have one of those, <laughs> doggone it. Um, probably for the same reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's something cool about that, uh, the, those old pedals. And by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be featuring a 101 coming up uh, about Japanese pedals. Ooh, it's going to be good. Uh, all right. So let's see uh, number four. So number four was where I started. I, I got hung up. Those first three were, were pretty much fairly easy to get through. Mm-hmm. Number four was I've got a bunch of fuzz distortions, jack super fuzz, you know, big muffs, all these things that are phenomenal. And then I spotted a pedal that I've almost had completely forgotten about and how much I absolutely love it for all of its horrible reasons. And that is the Digitech Crossroads Eric Clapton pedal. Oh, okay. I did not see that one coming. Nobody ever sees this one coming. It's like the... It's like the Spanish Inquisition. There you go. (laughs) So for those of you that are not familiar with the Digitech Crossroads Eric Clapton pedal, uh, it is a uh, one in, two out, not stereo, but there are two outputs. And there are seven different models on here of seven different Eric Clapton songs that you can scroll through (laughs) to get to sound just like him. <laughs> yes, I'm because kidding. it has nothing to do with his hands or <laughs> his technique. <laughs> I paid $5 for this, and I probably overpaid for it. <laughs> yep. But it is the one pedal I love to pull out when people want to talk about pedals and plug it in and go, no, no, you got to hear Model 6, the Layla Acoustic <laughs> Clapton pedal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, I like that. I like that you went that you you can play high ball and low ball. I like that. <laughs> just for kicks, I just typed in reverb, and those are actually selling for like mm, ninety to one hundred and twenty bucks. Okay. Ooh, yeah, believe that. And I remember those pedals very well. That's when I used to manage a music store, and you know we got loaded up with a dozen of those. Took us forever to get rid of them at cost. Forever. Yeah. So I should. I guess I should have bought them all. You should have bought, bought them all. <laughs> yeah. What you'd were you you'd be a thousand dollars richer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, in, the compounding interest on that would have <laughs> right. Well, Adam's not helped made, you at all. <laughs> Adam's made a hundred and some bucks too. So. Yeah. Outstanding. Nice. Well, Adam, thank you for sharing your four on the floor. Those were really fun. Um, and all unique, right? Yeah. Totally. Well, That's yeah. great. Well, we, I don't think. Does we, anybody ever bring up a tuner? Yes. Okay, but I thought that might be too obvious. But it is tuners are helpful. Todd, they are helpful. Todd frowns upon a tuner. It's no, I, I you got to have a tuner. Got to <laughs> have a tuner. But the thing is that there's they usually are either going to be a TC, like a TC uh, Poly or or the uh, uh, the boss the TU two TU two yeah. Almost exclusively, that's always what they are. So we're like, okay, anyways. What if you like a Strobo? Sure, yeah. Anderson Strobo, too. Yeah, just plug in a Strobo. I, 
I've got two constrobes that are tubed that yeah, take about 20 minutes to heat up. And I, <laughs> I have one of those too, the, the brown case with the the, the yep. uh, thing, over, the front opens yep. up and yeah. I've yeah. got that one and I've got the black one and they both take up a great amount of space on my shelf. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to now transition into uh, the most awaited portion of the show uh, by some, maybe not all, I don't know, hopefully all. Uh, because we're talking to Adam Grimm, uh, founder of Satellite Amps out in uh, San Diego. Proper. Proper. Okay. San Diego, California, proper. But wait, what if a listener was interested in finding out more while listening to the podcast? Ah, that's a good point, Tony. Where can people go to do that? Adam? Oh, there's this thing called the internet. It has things on it like facebook.com slash satellite amps. Perfect. Uh, there is a Instagram account called Satellite Amps. Yeah. Uh, there's a website called SatelliteAmps.com. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, or you can just Google Satellite Amps. Oh, there's a there's a YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/SatelliteAmps. Nice. Uh, I'm sure that you can come up with the recurring theme here. Uh huh. Um, the internet. You got you got the, lots of <laughs> you got all the socials covered. Yeah. Uh, there's a Twitter. I think there's a Twitter that I have too, but I don't think that I've. <laughs> I don't know Tweet that I've logged amps. into it in probably six or seven years because I don't yeah. have that much to say on Twitter. How about yep. a TikTok? You got one of those yet? You know, I almost got a TikTok, but yeah, I really? don't dance. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, let's just say maybe everybody doesn't want to see that. How about a MySpace? Does everybody have a MySpace out yeah, there? Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> I, still I don't MySpace. know how it is with you guys, but the commentary you get sometimes from the... Uh, the listening crowd makes it definitely performances are not always well appreciated. <laughs> yes. <Huh. laughs> oh uh, my God. I'm going to call attention just really quick to something that you posted that I almost dropped the phone on. Um, I'll see if you can, I'll give you one guess at what you think it might, it might be. Um, uh, but I, this is just to give you guys some uh, understanding of, of visually what uh, is, possible with these amps um it is the only blank scamp in existence oh i know what that is that's the red one that's sitting out at new york guitar store oh my gosh you guys this is absolutely stinking gorgeous yeah that came about uh there's a guy who's a good friend of mine who also uh, occasionally works and does stuff here called andrew mckay well his name he's not called He's uh, named Andrew McKaig. Uh, he's a delightful guitar player that you might have heard in a band called The President of the United States. Mm. Uh, and he was over at the shop one day and he's like, why don't we make a red one? I'm like, I don't have a reason to not make a red one. <laughs> so we made a red one. Yeah, it's really and it got, cool. It got sent out to the New York guitar store right before COVID hit. And then everything was shut down. And it's basically... Uh, They've opened up the store now, but it's you know sat in isolation out there for quite a while, just hanging out, waiting for everything to open back up. Wow, it's it's way cool, and I love that you got the uh, the red transformer. Um, now that I don't know if that's that's not inside the amp. That's another one sitting on the top, correct? Well, the transformer is. Oh, oh, you're talking about the picture with. 
So there is a slightly secret thing on top of that amplifier, yes. the picture you're talking about. It's slightly secret, but out in the open. So I'm <laughs> explain that one. Well, <laughs> it's out in the open. So there is a group of people uh, that are start restarting an old brand. Uh-huh. And they have asked me to re basically rebuild one of the original amplifiers from the company. And the prototype is sitting on top of that with the tubes on it. Yeah. Hmm. Of which uh, we have just put that into production. I don't know how long that will take, but I'm making all the amplifiers, doing all the electronics here. Uh, and then we, there's some cabinetry stuff that's going on that is probably going to not be me because I don't want to do it. Yeah. D and do you guys do all of your own cabinetry? Yes. Wow. Pre-COVID, there were four of us in here working. Uh, Post-COVID, it's just been me in the shop. Wow. That's Run, running everything. So, uh, the guitars are, were done slightly. We, so uh, we're jumping ahead in the story of what happens. But so when we've been making the, the, the cornet guitars with the trademark and we did all that uh, and we were doing that for six or seven years total, uh, the rough woodwork was all done here in San Diego. And then all of the finish work was done in Williamsburg by Josh out of Protocaster. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that so those guys we we were doing some of that during COVID, and so that those guys were still involved in it, but none of them were here in my shop. I think maybe one of the most recognizable amps out there. I think as far as the especially the, the head units out there. I love, I love how they that. look. Yeah, I'm very they happy look with killer. it. Can you uh, dig in a little bit on how you uh, how you got there? Um, sure. I, well, you want. Uh, so to, to, to really quickly touch on on the look of the amplifiers and how they came about, uh, the first I, – I, I originally built two amplifiers when I was in a Hawaiian band called the Cheap Lays. And <laughs> I played ukulele. That's awesome. Uh, and there was uh, – the, the lap steel player had always wanted a 1939 Epiphone console grande, which there's apparently two of them they ever made and nobody knows where they are. What this was is that there was a center section with an amplifier in it, and then the legs would come off and form the case for the actual lap steel. Huh. So it was this giant contraption, very cool, and it's great to see a couple of pictures from back in the 30s of it, but it's never seen one in real life. So the guitar player in the band was a cabinet maker, and he offered to do the cabinets. And at the time, I was in the antiques business, and I had a friend that was helping restore radios and electronics – uh, and I said, hey, listen, I want to build a couple of guitar amplifiers, and, and I've always been interested in electronics and tinkering, but I'd never actually built one from scratch. So we built two amplifiers for that, that band, and that was uh, that's what got me hooked. Hmm. Uh, when I got out of the antiques thing, uh, had some money and some time and nothing else to do and decided to start an amplifier company. Uh, and at the time, it was, uh, you know, had an idea of a design of what I wanted uh, was not happy with the stuff that was available. Uh, you know, this is like 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, what was commercially available, I thought, was either crap or it was overpriced uh, or both uh, oftentimes. Uh, and I thought we could do a better job of it. Uh, so I had an idea of what I wanted and what I was basing it off of. And I basically was taking from a lot of old designs and trying to mash them together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my own playing stuff, uh, by that time in my life, I was getting really into uh, 1930s amplifiers, the early Zephyrs from Epiphone, uh, all the electro uh, Hawaiian stuff from Gibson, the 185, the 150, 
the Rickenbacker, all the amplifiers that basically had one control. Sometimes you would have two. Uh, and you know, growing up early, uh, you know, my first real big amplifier was a Marshall JCM 800, uh, a half stack, great amplifier. Uh, I, looking back, I realized that I played it basically the same all the time, and the tone knobs were really useless for what I was doing because I would just time everything and play it. That's just that was my sound or what I thought <laughs> that you know. You know, a humbucker into a DS1 into a you know Marshall JCM 800, and that was it. Hmm. But you know, I wanted to make an amplifier that was uh, sounded good, was very easy to control to make it sound good. Uh, you know, I, I like Mesa boogies. I appreciate what they are. I would, I can't stand playing them because it takes me too long to get them to sound good. Hmm. Uh, this was back in the day. This was you know nineteen. 19- uh, 86, 87, 88 when I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, when that when that Mesa Boogie came out at that time, it was like I think right around 1988, it was like 30 knobs and I just had no idea what to do with any of them. Uh and so, you know, a lot of my thoughts into the first satellite or what became the very first satellite was that. Was trying to get into this, you know, very easy controlled and and the way that I found that I would play is I set my amp up and then I go play and I don't go back to play with my amplifier to change how I'm sounding. If I need to clean up, I roll my volume off. Yeah. You know, so a lot of my controls was in my hands and in the instrument I had, not in the amplifier. So that was the basic idea of the design behind it. And we built uh, a two uh, EL84 amplifier and it became the Neutron. And it was the first amplifier I ever put out and we still make them almost we we changed transformer companies early on we were using haybowers in the very beginning but we quickly went over to mercury and we've never changed that amplifier yet still making it so question that i have for you is after you come up with what you deem to be like this is the amp to solve all my amp desires and woes and problems you make more and different Kinds of amps. So, uh, all right. So, when I made that first thing, I didn't really have a lot of foresight into I'm going to turn this into a career that might be life spanning. Mm. It was more of a I have the money and I want to do this. Let's try and start this. Mm. Without, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of guidance as to what I was going to do for the second amplifier. It was more of a can we pull this off and make one? Right. Hmm. How many so, did you make before you started? going like, hey, wait, this is a thing. So we made 25 total of that first one. But before all 25 of those were made, so I got another guy involved to help me do the wiring because I could do some of it, but it was uh, it was sloppy. It was slow and sloppy. So I got somebody that was a little bit better at wiring than I was uh, to help me out. And he said that he would be happy to help wire, but he didn't want to do anything else, didn't want to design, didn't want to, you know, didn't want people to know who he was. Didn't want to have to talk to anybody. So that's mm-hmm. great. This is perfect. Uh, and so I made a couple of them and, and got them to a couple of friends of mine. And, and I've been in, in the music industry and known musicians pretty much since I was about 14, 15 years old. Uh, and so I got one of them to this gentleman by the name of Ron Heathman, who was in a band called the Super Suckers. Mm, well, yeah. uh, and he took it out and he said, this is great. It's just not loud enough. And I said, okay, well, I'll make it louder. 
So uh, I designed what's now known as the Atom, which is you know much bigger transformers and more power tubes, but basically the same front end as the Neutron has. Uh, and it's basically just a much bigger power amp section. It's four EL84s. Uh, the transformers are about three times as big. They're monstrous when you see them compared to uh, And I built the first one and the prototype, and I still have it, and it still works delightful. Uh, I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm satisfied with this. So I made a second one to get to Ron. Uh, and this is when back when, like, I didn't know how to get a chassis made. So I would, you know, we would buy blank Hammond chassis. I would buy blank Hammond chassis and uh, drill them out by myself, mm-hmm. you know, in my, in my garage, in my backyard and do, <clears throat> do things like that. I didn't, you know, really didn't know how to manufacture anything. Uh, so I took the amplifier. Super Suckers happened to be in town and I was going to go drive it down to their show to drop it off to let them go test drive it and, and try and break it. Um, Super Suckers used to be a phenomenal band. They were a great live band, and they were really hard on gear. So it was a great uh, test also for durability for me to give it to these guys and go, here, take this out on the tour, bring it back, and let me know what happened to it. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going down there, I get a call from my friend O, uh, Otis. Uh, he was in the Cheap Lays with me. He's a, a friend I've known since the late 90s, uh, local musician. Uh, he's... Uh, otisserie on instagram he's a photographer oh, skateboarding yeah. guy yeah works Wait. with uh, jay mascus and and all that people yeah and um, does he he's he does some uh uh forgive me if i'm wrong but he does some uh cabinets so kind of so okay <laughs> yes okay that's another story that's fine well so i love oh he's a great guy uh i don't know if he'll ever listen to this um because he hears me talk enough as it is. O used to come by and I would see him probably five days a week in my shop. And so O would always come up with, with, with you know, he would find some random piece of cabinetry and be like, all right, I'm going to make this into a speaker cabinet. And the amount of work it would take to turn into a speaker cabinet was probably more effort than it was ever worth, but it was always a fun project to do. And so a lot of his cabinets of speaker cabinets and stuff were done here in my shop with uh-huh. some help from me. Okay. So that's why the 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 humor there, uh, and I'm I'm sure he's got other things. You know, there's always something that with O. And like I said, I've known the guy forever. He's a great friend. Uh, you know, toured the country with him. You know, gone to trade shows, hung out. You know, great guy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he called me up and said, "Bring it over to Selma, which is a club in San Diego, because uh, Social Distortion's playing." I'm like, okay. So he happened to be over there, and I would go in there and walk in the back door and meet Johnny Two Bags, uh, who was the other guitar player in Social Distortion, and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Like he's like, "Great." And like he's like, "What do you do?" I said, "I make amplifiers." And I said, "Here, try it." He said, "Great." So he plugged it in and played for about two minutes before security came over and yelled at us for playing during somebody else's sound check. Uh, and Johnny said, "Great, can I take this one?" I said, "No." <laughs> he's like, "All right, I need two of them." I said. Okay, great. I have to make a third and a fourth one then. <laughs> and, and that's literally what happened. And, you know, their manager chased me down on the way out, or their tour manager, uh, that, you know, gave me all the instructions that, you know, I was not allowed to give them anything. He had to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'm not doing that. This is, 
Yes. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, I don't give any of my free. stuff away. All <laughs> the people that play my stuff are people that have bought it and that want to play my stuff, which I'm very proud of that fact. Uh, I don't toot my own horn well enough, uh, as my wife tells me, is that you know, there's a lot of great people that have paid for and play my stuff all over this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's basically how everything exploded from that point on. Uh, you know, the uh, I can directly relate a lot of famous people playing my stuff and also amateur people playing my stuff from those two guys, from Ron Heathman and from John, from Johnny Wickersham, uh, yeah. two bags. Uh, that's, is that's, I like that. And I like the fact that it's going back to Johnny two bags and that whole genre of rock and roll. I grew Absolutely. up watching but, him you know, in the Cadillac so, Tramp. So, so it was like, I was like, I know it's, yeah, he's great. He, he's a sweetheart of a guy. He he is absolutely one of the greatest people out there. Uh, you know, he is somebody who is very honest and true to himself. There's a lot of people that send him stuff that would love to get him to just you know pose with it or play with it, and he always sends it back because he doesn't want it. Mm. You know, he only plays what he wants to play and stuff that he truly believes in, and that's it. He won't do it. He, there, there's, you know. Uh, even with financial incentives, it's not in him to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, and directly from him, uh, and, 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 you know, Ron and Andrew are friends, McCaig from the president's, uh, and they also happen to know, uh, this guy named Mike McCready. So, um, mm-hmm. and social distortion happened to also open up for Pearl Jam, which is the band that Mike McCready plays in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so that's how Mike found out about us. Um, uh, and we got a call. I got a call from uh, their road manager uh, right before the PJ twenty tour happened, uh, and I got a call. And the, you know, the guy was delightful. He's very nice, and he's like, "Hey, listen, I, I've worked for Mike McCready. Uh, he's interested in trying your amps, um, but we can't find any. Is there any way you could just uh, send us two for us to try out?" And I said, "Sure, that's no problem. It's Pearl Jam. Of course, I can. I can do that." And you know, talking to them and. Uh, I said, I, how soon do you need them? Like, uh, tomorrow. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I have these two in red sparkle and that's it. Okay, great. Shipped them off. Uh, I didn't really hear anything for a little while, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, and we had to go do a trade show in Nashville, the Nashville Amp Expo. And I had met a gentleman by the name of Night Bob, who Night Bob is one of these mythical sound men of, uh, of yore that, you know, it, if you're in the industry, you know who Night Bob is. You know, it's, I've been, uh, if you don't, you know, my mom has no idea who Night Bob is. She never will. You know, uh, but Night Bob, you know, he worked for Johnny Thunders back in the day. Uh, you know, they bought their first Les Paul uh, Juniors to get their New York Dolls. Uh, he worked for, uh, you know, the last big thing he was doing was he was working with Walter Becker, with Steely Dan. But his, he worked with Aerosmith before they were famous and while they were famous. Uh, all kinds of people. Night Bob's a great guy. Love that guy. Um, so uh, we were at this Nashville Amp Expo, and I get a call. We're literally setting up the room in the hotel, uh, and I get a call from Night Bob. He's like, are you in Nashville? I'm like, yeah, we're at this Amp Expo. He's like, why? He's like, all right, well, we're in town. Uh, we're sound checking, and Walter Becker wants to try one of your amps. Bring one over. Sound checks <laughs> at 4 o'clock, and it was like 3 o'clock. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Great. Um, I've never met Walter. I've never talked to Walter. I don't know Walter. There's nothing in here, Mike. But I tell the guys, I say, great, screw the booth. 
grab an amp, let's go. So we you know, literally just stopped what we were doing, hopped in the car, got over there. Sound check had just ended. We missed it. I'm like, ah, all right. So Walter comes off. I get to at least meet him. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. you know, thanks for, for doing this. And, you know, and he goes wandering off, and Night Bob goes, oh, wait, 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 don't go anywhere. I'm like, okay. About five minutes later, Walter comes back out with the rest of the band, and they take the amp up, and they decide to test it right there in front of us. And mm-hmm. so I got to see Steely Dan play four songs just for me and two of my guys. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's cool. As I'm sitting there in the audience, I get a text from Andrew McCaig, the amps are on the PJ bus, which means Pearl Jam took the amps to go on the PJ 22 or bus, and they were buying them. Wow. <laughs> oh. Uh. That was a pretty good day. Yeah. I would say so. You could probably write that in your diary. Yeah. yeah. Hang, hang your hat there. That's cool. So, you know, it's, it sounds like you've, you've developed something that's just tumbled along in, in a in a really great and uh, serendipitous way. Yeah, there's a lot of things about that that just seem to happen. I think part of it is uh, the people that I have working with me and doing all this are all genuinely good people. Uh, we don't uh, uh, we don't fluff anything. We don't make anything. Uh, we don't lie about what we do. This is it. Where we wear our hearts on our sleeves. You know, if you want a Mesa Boogie amp, by all means, go buy one. Mm -hmm. They are great for what they do. I don't do that. So I'm not going to try and sell somebody something because I just need their money. I want them to be happy and I want them to be, you know, I want these to be pieces of gear that people buy and they give to their kids. You know, or their kids sell on eBay after their parents are dead or whatever (laughs) it is. Like I want people to have a lifetime of experience with our products. I don't want them to be just throwaways or stuff that they go instantly online and sell. It's actually something I'm kind of pretty proud of is that you really don't find a whole lot of them used. Yeah. Now, are these – are you primarily doing point-to-point wiring? Everything. All all the amplifiers are all point-to-point. Okay, cool. So the so when we got into doing the pedals, uh, the first set of pe- first couple of pedals that came out were all point to point, and then we went to a circuit board. Uh, so the 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 I'm I'm gonna just jump around because it just flows the what I'm yeah, talking just about. Just do right it. Here, so just do it. Yeah, if anybody wants to, they'll eventually can read my book whenever I decide to write one. My life in amplifiers. <laughs> so there's a guy who uh, named Brad Davis has a company called Creepy Fingers. Delightful. To- guy also uh he's a bass player for a band called fu manchu yeah um so when he started off making pedals uh he called me and we talked we were friends and we were talking about how to you know how to actually use a soldering iron and all that kind of stuff and you know how do you make a pedal uh kind of things and he was you know doing a great job Uh, i i absolutely love his stuff they're honestly they were hard to not include them in my four on the floor uh deal um but like I said, try not to have any friends in my thing. But all right. Uh, so Brad was having a problem because the only amplifiers he had to test this stuff were none of them were normal in the sense of things that everybody is familiar with. Uh, and this is something that is hard for a lot of people to understand. But you know, when we go do a trade show or something else and people expect me to have, you know, you know if you're trying out my amplifier, I'm going to give you a guitar you're familiar with. You're going to have – my Les Paul is – 
the most generic sounding Les Paul, but it sounds exactly like you expect a Les Paul to sound like. Mm-hmm. I want you to use that because it's familiar for what somebody who's never played my stuff. It's not if I give you a guitar you've never played before, and I give you a satellite guitar, the new one that's coming out, you have no idea what it sounds like. So I would rather give you something you're familiar with so that you can hear just what my amplifier does. Or if you're trying my guitar, I will give you an amplifier and say, here, here's a Tweed Deluxe. It's a familiar amplifier that most of us know what it sounds like. So there's no surprise in that. So Brad asked me to make him a little preamp that he could take and use as a, uh, basically a generic sounding, I want this to sound like if I plugged into a Marshall, is what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I, being the smart uh, Alec that I am, yeah. um, I was going to make the most over the top tube pedal that I could. So I use a little power transformer. It plugs into 120 volts. I made something that was called the Eradicator, and it is a 12 x 7 cascaded right into the other. There's 60 dB of gain. It's way over the top. <laughs> oh, it's completely obnoxious. <laughs> Oh, wow. And he thought it was hilarious, and he's like, "I can't. This is this is great. If I play this, everybody else is going to want to buy this and not my pedals, or some some kind of comment like that." And it was all done in fun. Uh, and then Andrew McKeg, uh, he happened to be down. He's like, "This would be great for flying gigs because a lot of what they did was just flying stuff." So he could take that and plug into a PA system and get all of his tube stuff that he wants out of it, and not care about what the amplifier was. And so we would make some. We made probably, I don't know, about 50 of them maybe total. I'd, I would make them whenever I got, got around to it. It, was, you know, it wasn't really so much as in production, but it was a, if you knew and you asked me, I would build you one. Uh, and eventually, about six or seven years later, uh, I was messing out with something else. Uh, we were making a tube amplifier. I was making a tube amplifier uh, that was all battery-powered. So it was a 20-watt amplifier that ran off of a 14-volt remote-control car batteries, uh, and we found a power supply that we were using and had developed uh, that would turn uh, 14 volts into 290 volts, so we got our high voltage for our tubes. Mm. The battery packs would give us about five hours of playtime, and no one could turn you off. You could play <laughs> it wherever. Uh, so there were two of those that were made, and we called them the porta wattis uh, And... Uh, <laughs> My shop is two stories. I'm in the basement right now, uh, and the entrance is in, in the upstairs. So me and another guy were over here uh, doing stuff, and it was about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. And like, you smell that? I'm like, yeah, it smells like, do we blow up a crossover? Because we were playing with hi-fis and doing stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Nothing, I don't think anything burned. And so we go upstairs, and one of the desks is on fire. Oh, oh my. So uh, anybody in the remote control car world knows – something that I didn't know at the time, uh, apparently remote-controlled car batteries sometimes burst into flames when you charge them. Oh, wow. So you have to charge batteries in asbestos bags. No kidding. So uh, thankfully the flames were only about uh, 18 inches, two feet off the desk. We put it out and thanked our stars that, you know, 10 minutes later and the whole building would have been gone. Uh, but that amp never came out. But the power supply reused and made the eradicator pedal as it stands right now so the eradicator pedal as it stands right now is in a larger enclosure uh and there's a reason for that also uh but there's a tube in it and we get 289 volts exactly on the on the b plus of the tubes 
runs off a nine volt wall wart, uh, and you still get sixty dB of gain. It's a little more controllable and not quite as out as obnoxious, uh, but it's still an extremely powerful tube amp in, in, in a box, basically. Uh, and, and part of the enclosures, uh, Sam Ash did the Astro Fuzz, but so Sam Ash Fuzz and the Astro Fuzz back in like 60, 68, 69, something like that. It was a pedal that they made that was uh, five-sided. It, it, it's very unique looking, and I've always loved the look of it. And so when we were doing the Eradicator, I realized that, uh, and this is not to knock everybody that uses Hammond boxes or that like that, uh, with my eyesight, when I walk into a guitar shop and I see a wall of Hammond box pedals, I can't tell what any of them are. They all look exactly the same to me. Mm-hmm. And But there are pedals out there like uh, like an Octavia. If you handled up an Octavia 50 feet away from me, I know exactly what it is. So we wanted our pedals to have that same uh, footprint where you would see it, and, and if I held it up across the room, you knew it was one of my pedals. That's smart. That's smart. Uh, and so that's part of why those are that way. The other is because that one in particular has a tube in it, and we needed the extra airspace so that it doesn't get too hot. I that's I like the decisions that you're making as far as like you know design and uh, trying to make them stand alone and uh, well a, a lot of things were I I, I without bragging I I, I I I think I have a good eye for what looks good and what doesn't in this world uh, whether it's you know bathroom designs or amplifiers you know I stumbled a little bit when I first made the amplifiers and got the look to what they are. Uh, at the time, it was all done with a skill saw and a drill and a lot of liquid nails and stuff in my backyard because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of great measuring tools, but I was a smoker. So everything is dimensions of cigarette boxes. <laughs> there we go. My cutout is, you know, three Marlboro light boxes turned on their side. That's it. Two high, three wide. And, and that's how everything was measured off. And then that's... You know, that's that golden ratio or whatever that is, uh, and it worked out for exactly what we're doing. Hmm. I like it. So back to your amps. Um, how, as the builder of these amps, what what sound profile would you say your amps are closest to so our listeners can get a general idea? So I understand your question. It's a very, very difficult thing to answer in the terms that people want. And people ask me this question a lot. Uh, It's because we use terms of reference, uh, and this is part of why I have all the gear that I have. When somebody says, does it sound like a Fender? That to me is a meaningless term. Because I've got, uh, you know, 15 Fender amplifiers all within earshot of me, and they all sound extremely different. Mm -hmm. So I can't say that it sounds like a Fender. Uh, In the sense of uh, profile-y stuff, so the Neutron and the Atom are very classic rock to heavy rock. They're upper mid-range heavy. They're very aggressive. Uh, They have switchable rectifiers, so when you switch the rectifier out, part of that is more touch sensitivity than it is wattage. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, I don't know how far down this rabbit hole we want to go, but um, it's part of how an amplifier works. Uh, if you want me to go down that route, 
speak up. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep rambling with what I've got. Uh, so as, <laughs> Run so, with it. So as those went, all right, so a tube, a, a tube is a rectifier. It, it converts the high-voltage AC off the transformer to high-voltage DC for the tubes to use because tubes are technically DC devices. So our tube rectifier is very inefficient. So what happens is, is that you know if you have a 5Y3 rectifier or a 5A or 4, GZ34, any of the variations thereof, when you play a note, it sags. It drops the voltage. If you watch it on an oscilloscope, uh, you'll actually see it drop, and then it comes back up, and that's what, where we get what's called note bloom. So it, that's your compression. That's your note bloom. That's your your very uh, touch sensitivity. You know, a solid state device. When you put in some diodes like a one in four thousand sevens, they are almost instantaneous. It's not quite, but there's no sag to it. So you get a much tighter sound, and you get a lot more articulation. So if you're playing a lot of notes fast, you're going to want a solid-state rectifier. That's part of what that all is. Gotcha. So back to what my amps sound like. So as the progression of amps went from the from the from the neutron to the atom, uh, the next one up, we did the Hellion, which was uh, an attempt to kind of make it a little bit more American-sounding in the sense of tweed Fenderish. Uh, I have a Tweed Super that I absolutely love, uh, a 1955 Tweed Super. It's probably the second greatest amp that Fender ever made. Uh, it's just awesome. And so uh, we did that, uh, and we still make it. I ended up putting reverb on it because uh, there's a lot of people that were asking me for an amp with reverb, and it worked really well with that. Uh, it's also the one that I think the only amp we have right now that's offered is a 15-inch combo. Uh, which uh, there's a dedicated amount of people that love 15-inch speakers. Uh, after that, we did the Omega, which was the attempt at a 50-watt, uh, more of a clean platform. Uh, it got angry when you really pushed it, but there was a lot more clean headroom, a lot more pedal-friendly. Uh, a lot of my amps are made because it's how I like them. So it's to just I usually just plug straight into the amplifier. I don't worry about pedals. I'm not in a band. I don't have. I, I technically own a couple of pedal boards, but I, I think there's only pedals on one of them. Uh, <laughs> it's I, you know I don't have to worry about it. So if I want a pedal, I just reach over and grab it out of the case and throw it on. If I want to play what's, more what's than one, on, what's on the other boards? <laughs> Sandwiches. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, perfect. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, after that, uh, then there was a second version of the, of the Omega because people wanted it to be angry earlier. Uh, and then, um, we did the Elmer, which is my take on the Selmer TV 12 T. That's my favorite amp of all time that we talked about, about right. the tremolo. Uh, so the Elmer is that one. And then, uh, we, I didn't know anything about trademark law. So uh, Fender used to good. make an amp called the White Amplifier, uh, which was named after Forrest White, who was the head of production, uh, uh, the floor manager, basically, head of production guy at Fender in the 50s. Uh, and everybody's dead, so nobody really knows the exact story. But the, the rough answer is, is that Leo made, Leo Fender made an amplifier called a White. It's in Fender script. The, the, the schematic is exactly the same ones that Fender used, but it says White you know, it's a white higher fidelity model 80. They made a lap steel and they made a single amplifier. They probably made about a thousand of them. Uh, I absolutely love them. We remade that amp and called it the Nivius. So Nivius is Latin for white. Ah. That's how we did this. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was at a concert. Uh, it was an outdoor concert. I think it was a social distortion concert, to be honest. Uh and there was a guy there by the name of Bruce Zinke. 
and I had never met Bruce Inky uh, and and got to meet Bruce and and hang out with him and, and talk to him of Sinky Amp fame. Uh, and this is when he was buying Supro and Park. And he told me how easy it is to buy up old trademarks that have been abandoned. It's very, very easy. Uh, if somebody abandons a trademark and nobody has it for seven years, anybody can go buy it. Uh, if the trademark even existed. If it never existed, you can just go buy it without worrying about any of that. Uh, and there's a couple other intricacies to it, but it's really just about that easy. I went, really? He's like, yep. And so we registered and we got the trademark for the white amplifier. And so we started making white amps. And we actually went to the point of, uh, we sent, I took two, I, at one time I had 11 of the old 50s white amps. I'm down to four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Um, so I actually took two of them and took the, the transformers out, sent them to Mercury. They hand unwound the transformers. We inspected everything. We went back and forth and we got them to make exactly those white amp transformers. And we're the only people that have them. So if somebody calls up Mercury and tries to buy a white amp transformer, they will sell them a transformer, but it's not the correct one because they won't sell it except for mine. My, mine comes to only to me. Nobody else can get it, which is another reason I love Mercury and all the things that they do. But we really tried to make that amplifier as close to the original as possible and why there's not other variations of it. Uh, it is a sugar pine cabinet. It's the same thin covering. It's the same particle board uh, or composite board with the eyelets. Uh, you know, we got Gavit Wire. We found out about them, and, and which is the people that made the original wire back in the 50s. Uh, the Gavit Wire Corporation, um, we kind of let the cat out of the bag with this one. Uh, they made the wire that Fender made, that Fender used in all their amplifiers in the 50s and 60s. The Gavit Wire Corporation still exists. Uh, the grandson runs it, and they still have the same looms that still make the same wire. So if you want original Fender wire, it, they still make it. Huh. It's, it's, it's not hard to get. Uh, you know, we found the people that made the original nameplates, you know, really went as, as far as we could to remake the white amplifier. Uh, and it's, it, it's essentially uh, a, a modified version of a Tweed Princeton. Uh, and that's what got me into doing trademark stuff, uh, which eventually led to other things. Um, and then we had a couple other amplifiers that came out. Uh, the CUDA was the other big one. I'm sure. I'm, I've, uh, so the CUDA is our 45 watt. It's basically, it's for lack of a better, it's so there's a tube that's called the KT66, and back in the day, the Gold Lion KT66 you know, from, the, the, from the 1960s was, in my opinion, one of the greatest audiophile tubes of all time. It's just absolutely phenomenal. The problem is they're about $400 a piece if you can find them. Mm. You know, it, it's, you just, there's no supply of them. Everybody knows it. They're beautiful to look at. They're beautiful to sound. Uh, and uh, I was, my wife's family is all from Connecticut, so we go back for we go we go to the Jersey Shore in, in summertime. We go to Connecticut in the in for Christmas usually. So I was back there. My buddy Doug over at Mountain Cat Guitars calls me up and says, "Hey, I'm having a Christmas party. Come on over." Walter, as in Walter Becker, is going to be there, and so is Night Bob. I'm like, okay, great. So I come over, and it's Doug, me, Walter, Night Bob. That was it. Um, delightful time for a Christmas party. Uh, and. and chatting with Walter and he by this time he's already Walter ended up buying like 12 or 14 of my amps he had one of the guitars he had every pedal uh, he already had a couple of my things and we would have conversations uh, Walter was a delightful I I really miss that guy um, 
But he said, well, why don't you ever make any like big bottle tube amps? And I said, well, honestly, because nobody can afford the tubes. And he went, I can. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, okay. Uh, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks then. And so I did. I built an amp based around KT66s. And it was a prototype uh, for what became the CUDA. Uh, and he loved it. It was the, That was the amp that he played at every single Steely Dan show from that point on. It was, it was on everything. Um, and when he passed away, a buddy of mine bought it at the auction, and I he ended up giving it to me. So I now have it. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it was. I, Walter didn't want to have the auction. He knew when he, he was he knew he was dying. He didn't want all this stuff auctioned off. His wife auctioned it off anyways. Uh, I knew he didn't want to do it, so I didn't feel right buying any stuff back from the auction. I refused to participate. Um, but it was still a funny auction to watch. I was very happy to watch my stuff. Um, uh, all right, so there's an aside with this too. So uh, I'm trying to have, how, how to politely use some of the terms I need to use. So there's an amplifier that I made 12 of, and it is a Fender style amplifier, and we used a Fender style script, but we used a different word that began with F and ended in ER. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So Walter had three of these. Oh, so wow. watching the guy on the video have to try and explain this because the auction was broadcast live on the internet is one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> it's, it's really worth that's It's worth looking that one up uh, for those of you that want to hunt down the YouTubes of things. Um, so, yeah, so we did that and, and – uh, I made the amplifier. Was thrilled with it. I, this was, you know, my magnum opus. This was, this was just this great piece. I was just thrilled, and I can't make any more of them because no one else can afford the f- tubes. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's a question for you. It's kind of side note. So, do you only use NOS tubes? No, 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 okay. no, no. So, I try not to ever use NOS tubes. Um, I try to make sure that all of our amplifiers are made with all new production everything. Okay. I I don't want to give any – I'll make one-offs every once in a while, but nothing that's in a production I ever want to be stuff that people won't be able to get mm-hmm. uh, tubes for or supplies for ever in the future. Yeah, I asked that question because you mentioned the cost of the KT-66s. So was... Well, and at the time, no one made a proper KT-66. Oh. So uh, – a buddy of mine called me up and was like, oh, my God, you have to try this. The new Gold Lion came out, the KT-66. It's great. I'm like, uh-huh, you, you've said that before, but no, it's uh-huh, sure. He's like, no, no, really, go go try these. I'm like, okay. Bought a pair of them and was blown away. They were the first properly done KT-66. So to explain a little bit about tubes, most power tubes that we use are pentodes, which means that there are five main parts in them. A KT-66 and any of the KT tubes are kinkless tetrodes, which means that there is one less part in them. And part of being kinkless means it's how it distorts is different. So when a tube like an EL-34 distorts, it clips the top of the note. It's, it's a very square wave off of it. A kinkless tetrode, it's a smoother curve to that. So the distortion sounds slightly different. Um, and... You know, when people talk about, you know, guitar tones, one of the great classics is the, the Clapton Bino tone. Um, I don't like Eric Clapton as a human being, but the tone on that record was lovely. Uh, and that is KT-66s. That is 
pure and simple why that amp and why so many people struggle to find it because Marshall's reissued that amplifier I don't know how many times and they've never put the right tubes in it. And without those tubes, it will never distort and sound properly. Hmm. To the Man. point where I've uh, I met Billy Gibbons one time. I actually met him a couple times. Uh, but the first time I met him, and somebody, Ron Heathman from the Super Suckers, introduced me to him, and, and they were, he was there for some photo shoot when the band was playing. I don't know what. Uh, and and Billy pulled me aside. I said, "Listen, I, I got a question for you." And so, what is it? He's like, I, I can't. I can't get the Clapton Beano tone. I can't nail it. What am I doing wrong? And I went, uh, you're Billy Gibbons. <laughs> do it. Just do it. Like, well, uh, and so I, I had to talk with him about you know, the tubes and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and, and it really comes down to for that guy that he doesn't have Clapton's arms, I mean, or, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. But so all of a sudden we have these tubes and then it was, then it was all right, this is the game changer. This is the tube I needed for the amplifier I built for Walter to put this in production. And that's what became the CUDA. So that was, I called up Patrick over at Mercury and talked to him and talked to Sergio. And I said, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want. Uh, this is what I did for the prototype. And I used a vintage transformer in the prototype uh, that I knew what it was. And we discussed it back and forth. And Sergio had just gotten another one of those transformers in. And it's an extremely rare peerless transformer. Uh, and that's the other secret to the magic. It's it's a transformer that is just uh, – it was peerless is a company that uh, they basically made stuff with Alltech, Voice of the Theater, you know, extreme audiophile stuff. And it was their last great transformer they made when everybody was going to transistors. Hmm. And it's just one of these transformers. You can just go, yeah, that right there. This is everything I want in a transformer. And so that's basically what, what we used for the output transformer, a slightly modified version of that to fit my needs a little bit better. But that's where we started from. And it all just fell right into place. Hmm. Serendipity. Yeah, you know, it's really, I, you want an amp builder that speaks as passionately about the, the, the cold, hard parts uh, like you do to get behind the sound that you want to make. I, I really appreciate that about you. Well, thank you. I, it's uh, every once in a while, you'll hear me ramble on about this. I, I love what I do. I, I am good at what I do. I am a horrible businessman. <laughs> what I'm doing is, and this is the way that most boutique amplifier and guitar and pedal makers are. We're really bad at it because to be a good businessman, I, or woman, I should be going the cheap route. None of this should matter. Yeah. I should does. be going to China to get the cheapest transformers I can to maximize my profit. I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. But that's what, you know, that's what makes your amps different from somebody else's amps. And that's why we have so many varietals. And uh, It is. And, and this is what segues me into the scamp. So the scamp that exists was the first amp I ever designed by price everything else had a sonic picture in my mind that i wanted that i was going after there was a reason for it there was something in there for for whatever reason that that um, you know i was after so the scamp i went all right i'm gonna see if i can build an amplifier that we can still build here in san diego in our shop and try and get it under a thousand dollars and so looking at all of this i realized that we can shave almost 500 dollars off just by canceling the cabinetry 
the wood, the covering, the labor of doing it, all of that stuff, and and you know, getting down to a metal cage. And when, when I was trying to do this, I, I talked to Patrick over at Mercury and said, "Listen, this is the project I'm doing. I need to get these transformers down to this price. What do you got that will fit that?" And the answer was nothing. We don't have anything that will fit your price point. I said, okay. And, and you know, he, he wasn't mean about it. He just said that there was nothing on the books that existed that we could pull from. Uh, so, all right. So one of the things about transformer design is if I can use a transformer like, say, a Tweed Champ transformer in something, the design already exists. They already have them on the shelf. I could order one and have it in a couple days. Mm-hmm. If I'm designing from the ground up, we're starting over from scratch. So anytime that you're trying to do something for a cost for designing an amplifier, if you can use an off-the-shelf transformer, it saves you money. So that's why I was trying to, to, to do it this way. And so we eventually you know, said, all right, what about this? And he said, if you can order these in quantities of 50, we'll meet your price. I went, done. Absolutely done in a heartbeat. And that's the great thing about them. I mean, this, uh, he spent you know a good day and a half trying to rack his brain to figure out how to make it work for us. And uh, you know, I'm not Fender. I'm not Marshall. I'm not. I'm not selling hundreds of thousands of units. You know, it, it's and that was one of the great things about Patrick and everybody at Mercury. They're still there. That are still great. Uh, is how well they treat you because of things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, now you said it's under a thousand bucks, but this is. You got it marked at uh, six hundred to no, the, no, no. So, so, so the scamp is eight hundred and forty nine dollars retail. Gotcha. So, if you're on my website, you're 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 looking at a price list of certain things. If you order it with a cabinet, you can put a half deposit down, and that's what uh-huh. the six hundred bucks is. Oh, so with it, so so head and cabinet, I think is twelve hundred dollars. That's still a killer deal. Well, it, it's you know the the scamp is it's a phenomenal sounding amplifier, and it is. All made in here right now by me. It's all point to point. It's all Mercury Magnetics transformers. It's all gavit wire. It's all the same terminal strips uh, or turret boards that we use uh, for all the other amplifiers. It's all you know. And it's a killer looking amp. I mean, it's just. I think it looks great. Freaking cool. And I've since started putting all the other amplifiers uh, and making them available on that same chassis. That's smart. So and it shaves five hundred dollars off the cost for everybody. That's cool. I like you know, it. And it's, it's smart it, and cool. Yeah, for 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 you know, probably eighty five percent of the people that play my amps are people that play at home or in small bands with their buddies. They're not professional musicians. They're not out there touring. So anything that you can do to shave off five hundred dollars off the cost of something is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. the same way. I, it's if I could shave five hundred bucks off of the stuff I was buying, I would be thrilled to do that. Well, Mister Man. I'm uh, really stoked on what you're doing, and I really appreciate you sharing uh, so much of your story with us. Um, you know, aside from just the the top level uh, stuff. Anyways, uh, it turns out that Jared's not home, but uh, here we go. Uh oh, Tony, you want to give us a a, a a Jared impersonation? Yeah. <clears throat> Would you rather? He just does it better. He just does it better. Well, so you're walking down the street, and uh, you remember that you're late. I'm late for a uh, yeah for your 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 uh, your uncle's 
uh, he he passed. Your uncle Ooh. passed. This is sad stuff. But he, they're having a big old party down by the lake. Uh, awake by the lake. Well, <clears throat> it's down by the lake because they're going to memorialize him by sinking his two favorite <laughs> things, which is this awesome 70s custom van with the bubble window in the back. Merlin and, uh, with a Merlin on the side? Uh, no, not Merlin on the side, but the big stri- the big uh, uh, bracket striping. Uh, I can't remember what that's called. Uh, not Starsky and Hutch. K- k- kind of, yeah. Um, and, um, and behind <laughs> that is his favorite other toy, which is his speedboat. Now, the reason this is relevant is that that custom van, his two favorite colors were purple and green. Purple and green. That custom van was purple and green. It was purple with the green, uh, green like metallic, uh, the big stripey bits on the side that were all, you know, lots and lots of them, pinstripes and all kinds of stuff. Lots sounds of kinda, stripes. Sounds kind of gross. It, it's a little gross, like but also digger? pretty cool. Kind of, maybe, but you know, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about, like the the um, the scallop stripes, like on the old Impalas and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, now the the speedboat. Is is purple, like heavy flake, heavy heavy flake purple, mm. um, with green flames, mm. and so they uh, they sunk them, both both of them the, in the lake, and you're standing there to watch it. Now your your uh, your cousin comes over to console you, and he said, "Hey, I know how much you loved your uncle, and I know how much your uncle loved those two. That that van and that boat, and well, uh, wait a minute, how did the van get out they, into they, the water? They sunk it. They drove it and they sunk it. They don't ask questions. <laughs> I don't the, wasn't the there. Boat pulled the van out. Then the, oh, then the, the van, boat pulled the, the van. The boat pulled and, the van. Right, and then the van yeah, pulled it, it backwards. Under, yeah, yeah, it was a, see? yeah. yeah we got they, they, they reversed it. Now Anyways, it so um, he says, "Hey, I know how much you love guitars. Mm. Your uncle had a stripped down Bo Diddley." box guitar square. in his closet the square mm. the twang machine except this just the flat square one yeah unfinished unfinished you're like what i hate that guitar <laughs> maybe you love that guitar i don't know but the thing the thing is it's a it's a big rectangle guitar yeah and he said you're lucky cousin because i happen to be a hell of a painter mm. now let me guess he has to memorialize two this would you rather <laughs> Have this Bo Diddley box guitar painted, the, like purple. the custom van, which is purple with the green hot rod uh, stripes, yeah. the, the lowrider kind of stripes on the on the, on the old vans, mm-hmm. or flake purple with flames. All right, we're gonna go Tony, and then Rob, and then Adam, and then me. All right. Tony, mm. what are you doing? So I, I've got a Bo, an unfinished Bo Diddley guitar. Yep, the box. The box. The square. The square. The rectangle. The rectangle. Technically a rectangle. Technically a rectangle. What kind of pickups? Oh, I imagine they're the Gretsch ones. Like Filtertrons? Yeah, sure. Okay, that sounds good. What yeah. kind of tuning machines? One. One in the bridge, that's it. What kind of tuning machines? Shut machine? up. Pick the thing. <laughs> I'm going with the... I'm not a flame. I don't like flames on guitars. Okay. So I think I'm going to go with the purple sparkle, yep. right? That's still yep. sparkly. And the gross green stripes on it. Yep. Okay. 
All right, Rob. Oh, so they're both sparkly. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the Those but are the other favorite one, colors. Yeah, the other oh, okay. the one with the with the flames, like the boat, was very sparkly. Oh, like, uh, okay. It's like speedboat flake. Oh, okay, okay. So bigger flake, heavy okay. flake. All right, all right. I'll go with that one. Okay. With Which the one? flames? The, yeah, the flames. Honestly, I don't really. It's just it's more sparkly. So okay, okay. I'll do more. Is sparkly. it is it flame maple? Shut it, Tony. <laughs> flame maple blue diddly. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's two. All right, let's see, Adam. What would you go with? Did you say flames? I, I really hate hot rod flames. <laughs> I, I would go purple metal flake with stripes. Yay! And, All right. And, and if I have my my personal choice, I would want it plum crazy purple from 1969 metal flake Dodge. Uh, Ooh, that is okay. that is the, the best. You know one. what, Adam? Uh, why don't you go ahead and order two of those up from uh, cousin yeah, three cousin Harold? Three of those. That's, oh, that's three of them. I'm... Yeah, we need we need a three. We'll get a discount now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and probably Jared will want one too. Jared that will want is, one for sure. He's plum crazy. He loves he loves the the, the heavy. Or he just loves all the sparkles. Anyways, okay, that was super fun. That was sent in by me. Oh, uh, a couple hmm. minutes ago. Wow. <laughs> I like the way that it meandered through yeah. the uh, the whole thing. There. Yeah, it made. But now to see it all makes sense. I guess. So, uh, anyways, so um, yeah, go eat your potato salad. At the memorial, um, we need to say thank you to a few folks here. You know, Todd, at this point of the show, there are a special group of people that we love to thank. These would be our executive producers. Now, somebody out there might be wondering, what's an executive producer? Maybe more importantly, how can I become one? Very easy, folks. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple of different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor of this very podcast. Each level comes with a great bevy of thank you gifts, including things like T-shirts and stickers and pics and all kinds of good stuff. Yep. Check it out. Yeah, do it. As an executive producer, you get all that great stuff. Uh Uh-huh. But there's one thing more. You get to have your name read on the thing. That's right, Jared. Your name read on the thing. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Tom Brazen, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Ken Sayers, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Anthony Lathrop, John England, John Estelle, Justin Jones, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Gola Guitars, Richard Kendall, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, Gary Cooper, Mark Garten, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Trevor Gunberg, Rick Calhoun, Anthony Gemalero, John Helverson, Drew Lopez, Fader and Pedals, and Moon Guitars. Excellent. Wait, Todd, wait, wait. There's more because we have another very special group of executive producers. We call them our Grand Poobas in their individual jacuzzis filled with some unknown orange liquid. Yes. So special thanks, special, special thanks to these Grand Poobas. Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Science of Sound, Cody Foster, Sean S. Tom Emanasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, 
LSJ Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mel Sanders, Bob Crouch, Sam Jett, Michio Murakishi, Martin Cliff, Hex Metos, Michael Van Zant, Brian Robison, John Daly, Ricardo Igareta, Brandon Wong Pickups. Oh, wait! And yes, Todd, we have a new Grand Pooba. Ooh. Caleb Meissen Joyce. Oh, Welcome aboard, right. Mon Frere. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. Welcome, Caleb. Glad to have you. Thank you so much for supporting our show. All right. Uh, Adam, we need to find out. Just remind everybody where they can go buy your awesome amps. Uh, uh, the internet, stores, places of interest. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you can go and, and your YouTube and make sure you check out his uh, Instagram too. Satellite Amps Instagrams, fantastic. I love uh, seeing what's popping up on there. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And Tony, where can people find you? Head over to pickguardian.com. Check out the pick guards and fun stuff that I make. Uh, some, you can order things right off the internet on a lot of cases, but... I do mostly custom work, so shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you want, what you're trying to do. I might even have some good advice for you, so uh, check it out. Guardian.com. Sounds good. Rob? Mad Cow Amplification on Instagram, Facebook.com. Perfect. Wherever. Love it. You can shoot me an email, Todd, at theguitarnobs.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram, at guitarnobs. Love to hear what you have to say. Share us your would-you-rathers. And uh, anything else, love to hear from you. Humongous thanks to Adam Grimm from Satellite Amps. Thanks so much for, for being here. It was it was an awesome time talking with you, and um, we really appreciate you sharing all of your awesome story and thoughts and everything, and for making a, a fantastic piece of equipment out there. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I hope everybody enjoyed it, and I hope you all have a, a wonderful new year. Thank you as yes. well. Hey, everybody, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yeah. I'm sitting on the floor. I don't have a chair. Tony? No. Todd? <sighs> Rob? He didn't leave us yet. Yeah, fantastic. He's still there. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> still awake. <laughs> You've lasted longer than any guest we've had on the episode. <laughs> I'll try and enunciate extra just in case. <laughs> no. Just floppy hands. <laughs> <laughs> Got my clown hands on. Good joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Yes. I can, you, he, no, he he doesn't he doesn't like playing the reindeer games. I know that you guys will. So I have to make a poop. What? <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.